0: Here's what's coming up on today's show.
1: And that's why they have you know million, two million, three million dollars because they were diligent savers and they were exposed to investments and in markets over time, not because they made a ton of money, not because they picked the right stock, it's they had the good habits and that's what this is trying to instill in people.
0: help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for Your Retirement Elevated. Hey, it's another edition of Your Retirement Elevated. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan, co-founder, managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group in the Kansas City area, but serving clients also all across the country. You can find Scott online at listen2scott Scott.com for past episodes and more information. Scott, happy new year to you, my friend. I hope you are doing well.
1: Same to you. Uh, it was great holiday season, and uh, me having an early January birthday, my holiday season is really uh, Thanksgiving to my birthday on January 6th. That's just one continuous. Nice. Uh- a celebration there. So, so let's uh, get
0: this straight, because folks are probably like, man, it's been a little while since we heard a podcast from Scott. So we had, you know, the holidays, so you get Christmas, New Year's, your birthday, and then every year, one of the like financial planning groups that you're a part of has their big annual event as well, all at the same time. So you're like end of December, beginning of January is just crazy.
1: It has been. <laughs> and so, yeah, we're a little off of our schedule, but I'll tell you, part of that is, yes, that, uh, that time frame is very busy. We're making tweaks uh, to our communication with our, what we're putting out there, and I'm happy to say that I spent a lot of time putting the last final touches uh, on my upcoming book uh, that has taken me a long time to write uh, because I wanted to put something out that I felt was worthy, that encapsulated what I've learned and encountered, you know, over, you know, two decades or more, uh, in this industry. So we're going to do a special podcast when that's ready to go. Uh, but we have cover design, have a few more tweaks of some of the, uh, images we need to update. Um, but I'm, I'm going to be very proud of it when it rolls out. Um, it's going to be a hard copy or hardback book. It's not going to be a pamphlet. Oh, cool. And, uh, I've poured a ton of time into this. My team has, and so that look forward to that upcoming
0: episode where we're going to talk about the book, the launch, and all that kind of stuff. Have you uh, have you released a name yet? Or are you saving that for part of the reveal? I'm saving All right, all right. I just wanted to make sure. You kept calling it (laughs) The Book, so I was like, hmm, strategically, it sounds like he's not saying the name just yet. We're going to (laughs) reveal everything all at once. Very nice. Well, congrats. I know that's a lot of work that goes into that, and I can't wait to read it when it comes out. Absolutely, and I am
1: also looking forward to uh, doing the audio version
0: uh, with uh,
1: you and your company, so that's going to be another thing later in the year. We'll have the audio version. Um, which Just I don't know about anybody. Lots
0: of, lots of tea and honey before you voice it. Man. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet.
1: I'm sure there's people that are listening to the podcast that have been in some professional capacity where they've had to record themselves and listen to themselves for training purposes. I don't know about anyone else, but to me, it's excruciating to no hear one likes my own, their voice. own voice. Yeah, isn't that amazing? There's something wrong with you if you like your own voice, right? Yeah, you're, you're probably – yeah, probably something a little off with you if you're like <laughs> enamored
0: with listening to yourself. Because I'm even uh, like, oh, I hear my own voice. I'm like, oh, no, oh, no, no, that's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's, I I have to admit,
1: I don't go and re-listen to a lot of things just because it's, it is painful. But I have a great team, uh, and like your team, especially with the podcast, you go in and take out my ums and uhs and clean it up and make me sound a little more professional. But, yeah, we we do spot listen, uh, and we got people on the team that spot listen. But, uh, yeah, so that's going to be – I enjoy that whole idea of reading it and putting my spin on it. Uh, It just probably won't be a – a listener of that audiobook
0: version. There you go. That's all right. If you if you're the one creating it, you don't have to go listen to it. So. There you go. Perfect. Perfect. Excellent. Well, speaking of books, Scott, one could write a book on all the changes that have happened in something that we've talked about here on the show before and now has become law during these last couple of weeks, the Secure Act 2.0 has passed, and uh, we have lots of updates to go over. And uh, yeah, they they certainly didn't shorten the tax code or shorten any sort of like uh, legislation or reading. Talk about needing a hardcover book, and a hardcover copy of this that that would be necessary with how many pages <laughs> there likely are in this thing, right? And a pot of coffee. Yes, uh, we also pots. probably needed to uh, navigate this. That's right, and
1: and I do, and this is one of the other reasons we. Did delay a little bit, you know. This came out, got pushed through, and it just took us time to wade through because there's there's ninety new provi- over ninety new provisions for retirement plans in the Secure Act, and we had to go through them, figure out, and there's different dates when they kick in. So it's as usual; it's just not a simple rollout. Um, these are all different stages, different timeframes, and so you know we're spending a podcast talking about this. There will be a summary executive summary that we're going to put out uh, in our e-newsletter that comes between the weeks of our podcast. And then in our hard copy and online newsletter that comes out, um, there'll be an executive summary in there. so we're we're covering this because it affects a lot of our clients um, not, not in a negative way, but there's just changes that we have to to navigate. Mm. And so that's why there were really Beating this drum and getting this information out there because it is important. And rest assured, we're our systems are going to reflect these changes. And uh, there's some positive ones that are going to give us a little more breathing room, especially when it comes to proactive tax planning. And so, what we're going to go over today is really I distilled down and the team distilled down what are the main areas of the Secure Act 2.0 that are really applicable to our clients. So, again, that'll be out there in the podcast. We are going to link to uh, an online article. It does a really good job of getting down into the nitty gritty. But again, I think for our purposes today, most of our clients, our executive summary is probably going to give you the biggest bang for your buck and your time spent reading it.
0: Yeah. And uh, this is a great reminder also to folks that like, just like in journalism, Scott, you can be first at reporting the story or you can get it right or provide more value and, and clarity. So a lot of people were trying to be first and just like throwing up, okay, here's the big things, boom uh to be aware of for secure act 2.0 i love that you've taken the time to digest it a little bit boil it down to what's most important to your clients and to listeners of the podcast so let's dive into it if if you forgot uh or you know just just don't remember because it's kind of a long term the secure act is the setting every community up for retirement enhancement act (laughs) that's what the secure stands for (laughs) That makes you feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, originally, it's a, it's crazy, Scott. We first started talking about this what back in 2019. That was when the mm-hmm. first edition was signed into law. That was yes. supposed to be the big story in 2020. And instead, obviously, COVID happened and that kind of dominated for a while. But now we're through iteration 2.0. And so, one of the first categories it looks like you and your team have spotlighted is a lot of moving parts when it comes to RMDs or those required minimum distributions. And it's not just one change there, right? They've continued to tweak this multiple times and in, in multiple angles. And it's a
1: moving target as well. So. <laughs> Yeah, Uh,
0: and and give you not a set it and forget it kind of thing. No,
1: no, no. And just with the time frame, so and there's over 90 new provisions. Um, Today's podcast, we're going to cover the seven that are most likely to apply to our listeners today. And so with that, you know, changes to required minimum distributions, RMDs for short. Just a quick primer. I don't want to assume anything, uh, but if you have Put money into or putting money into a tax deferred account, uh, like an IRA, a 401k, a TSP, 403b, 457, simple SEP, Keogh plan. Those are tax deferred plans that you get a tax deduction when you put money into them. Uh, they grow tax deferred, and when you take money out of them, you pay taxes on the principle you put in there and also any growth. And the required minimum distribution is the way for the IRS to say, hey, we're going to let you defer this money and not pay taxes on it to a point. And we're going to require you to distribute a minimum amount out of that at a certain age. And why do they want to do that? Well, if you have to take the money out They're now harvesting the tax dollars, the deferred taxation that are inside of those accounts. And so this delaying of the starting age for required minimum distributions, now these are RMDs are mandatory yearly withdrawals from, again, all of those 401ks, IRAs, things like that. Um, And again, what used to be 70 and a half, now it's 72, now Secure Act 2.0 delays that to 73, but that new later starting age is only for people who turn 72 in 2023 or later other people still must start rmds at 72 right so again you've got to turn 72 in 2023 the calendar year and then you have to take your first required minimum distribution in 2024 when you turn 73
0: just kind of like uh what was social security sort of like this right if you're born before this date then this applies to you after this date this is applicable and and that sort of thing
1: Correct. That's yeah. correct. And then so that age 75, again, that doesn't take effect until 2033. Uh, and then we're the, inevitably going to get the question, but hey, what if I've already started RMDs, you, you can't stop. you know. So again, like I, we've got a client coming in uh, later today. Uh, they turned 72 in February. We planned it in the last year that, hey, we're going to start RMDs next year. Well, this year, they're not going to have to, and so what? Since they do not need that money for their income needs to fill their income gap, we can continue to do Roth conversions like we've been doing for the past several years, and so it gives us one more year uh, before required distribution start. So that's it's a net positive uh, for our clients that are in that area in that you know time frame of turning seventy-two this
0: calendar year. Okay, so lots of uh, things to kind of keep track of there. And, and the big impact here is just how much or, well, I guess just right off the bat, are you going to have to take money out of your account and how much that's going to be. Like this could catch some people by surprise if they're just like normal, right? If you're not paying attention to RMDs, that's going to come as a rude awakening to have to figure out. Same thing now if you aren't paying attention to these age changes, uh, when it's going to impact you is, is going to change a little bit.
1: Yeah, and I think it also points to the idea that if you're operating on old information, you may miss opportunities, just like what I talked about. This client has one more year uh, to maximize their marginal tax brackets and continue to do Roth conversions uh, to make themselves more tax efficient and insulated for you know, potential
0: tax increases down the road. So again, a net positive thing. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah, so this is one of those elements that moved in a positive direction for investors. Yes,
1: that are that are aware, or at least working with someone that is proactive. Okay, gotcha. On top of this, and then the the other additional law, which eliminates the RMD requirements for Roth four hundred one k plans. A lot of people thought, "Hey, I've, I've put this money into my Roth IRA." there's no RMDs, I put money into my Roth 401k, surely there's not RMDs on that. Well, the 401ks fall under ERISA rules, and prior to the Secure Act 2.0, if you had a Roth 401k at required minimum distribution age, which is now gonna be 73, uh, you had to take a certain amount of money out of it. Now, you didn't have to pay taxes on it, so you weren't taxed on it, but what effectively was that doing? It was siphoning money out of an account that was growing tax-free and distributing tax-free. Now, if you take that money out, you can't put it back into a Roth. And if you don't have to spend it, then you get to reinvest it. And now you would have to reinvest it in a taxable account. So now you start paying taxes on the growth from that point of the distribution from the Roth. And so, again... it. That, luckily, uh, that is going to go away. Now, pay close attention, that doesn't happen until 2024, not this year. So you've got to wait a full year before there are no Roth 401k required minimum distributions uh when you hit age 73.
0: Okay, so another – there's stuff happening in 23, 24, 25, and 35 so far. That's the <laughs> – yeah
1: for the, for for, <laughs> for those of you doing a timeline
0: it's getting more complicated.
1: Yeah. Uh and another net positive I feel in the RMDs uh the penalty for not withdrawing the correct amount used to be 50%. I know you've heard us talk a lot about that. Yeah. Uh, big big chunk of money. And that's just uh, wrong. That was just it, wrong. it is wrong and Now, I will say they've made it easier to correct that through it's called self-certification. It it does happen rarely, but on occasion, Uh, they've reduced that penalty from 50% to 25%, which to me, that still seems like a lot, but it's not as egregious as half like they had before. Okay, great point.
0: Yeah, at least not half. That is a definite move in the right direction there. Yeah. So if you really mess up, you at least aren't really being hamstringed by that mistake like you were previously.
1: Correct. And now if you do uh, make a mistake, like an error in calculation, uh, there is a new penalty for correction uh, a reduction. So it's down to 10% of the required withdrawal. So one thing, if you didn't do it, They're going to assess a 25% penalty. Um, If you took something out and didn't take the right amount, so it was an error, a calculation error, uh, it's a 10% penalty that's assessed.
0: Still pretty steep, but in the grand scheme of things, at least it's a move in the right direction.
1: Yes. And again, that's assuming it's all handled in a timely fashion. You've
0: got to abide by those rules. Gotcha. Okay. That makes sense. So that's a pretty good uh, recap of the changes to the RMD portion of the Secure Act 2.0. What else caught you your eye and the team's eye when you guys were looking through Secure Act
1: 2.0? big one would be catch-up contributions. And so these are if you're in the category where you're still you know putting money away. And so, again, beginning in 2025, people that are age 60 to 63 can contribute more to your IRAs. And so that catch-up contribution limit will be increasing to ten thousand uh, dollars, or fifty percent more than their regular catch-up contribution amount. You know, whichever is greater. And so that's a plus um, because you know at fifty you can start the catch-up provision. Now they're saying from sixty to sixty-three, we're going to make it even bigger to help you catch up even more. And so. That is positive. Um, After 2025, uh, catch-up contributions will be indexed for inflation, while IRA catch-up contributions for a person age 50 will be indexed for inflation beginning in 2024. Again, all these moving targets, when we get to those times, if it applies, we'll talk about it. Uh, But there's really no standardization on any of this. Yeah. Uh, And then a big change, and we've talked about – you know, hey, how do they raise tax revenue without, quote, raising tax rates? Well, here's a way that they found to do it. So for those with an annual income over 145000 if you're going to put that catch-up contribution away, you've got to make that into a Roth contribution.
0: Oh, interesting. Okay.
1: So again, what is the net effect of that? You're not getting a tax deduction that year, you're paying taxes on that money, so you receive that money, and the net leftover money, it has to go in a Roth contribution account. So the great thing is that'll grow tax-free, it'll get dispersed tax-free. That just shows you that it's a clever way to make sure that they can get tax dollars on money on people that are making over $145,000. Okay, very good. And the rest of these are, you know, the other five um, are very straightforward and we'll, we'll kind of cruise right through these. I really like this uh, next provision. Uh, it's the ability to do rollovers from 529 plans to Roth IRA accounts. And so a lot of people have been reluctant sometimes to do a 529 account because I say, well, what if you know what, I've got a a granddaughter that's three in 2023 and in 15 years, what does college look like? Is there, are there universities? Uh, Will my granddaughter want to go to a trade school, become a profession, start a business, not go to college? Do I want to cause problems for them? And so what I think this allows this new rule beginning in you know, 2024 uh, will allow 529 plan beneficiaries uh, like your granddaughter, not yours, but the proverbial granddaughter uh, to roll over up to $35,000 of unused funds from a 529 to a Roth IRA over their lifetime. Now, conditions apply. I sound like a commercial here. Uh, <laughs> is a speedy, speedy reading of all the, yes. the, the, the notes here. But uh, conditions apply, the 529 plan must be open for at least 15 years prior to rolling it over. And there are annual contribution limits. Uh, so that meaning how much of that can you, that's why they said you can roll it over over your lifetime. Also, 529 plan contributions made within the prior five years cannot be rolled over. And the Roth IRA that receives the funds must be in the 529 plan. And so, again, in 529 plan's uh, beneficiary's name, excuse me. So, again, and the Roth IRA that receives the funds must be in the 529 plan beneficiary's name. So, again, if, if your granddaughter, uh, Sarah, has a 529 plan, and she's now 22, and you started that plan you know, when she was five, you've met the 15-year minimum rule, and Sarah can start to roll over that 529 plan to a Roth IRA in her name. Uh, Again, it just has to be, there's limitations on how much she can do per year, and again, a little too much detail to get into here, Uh, but just know that that gives you an exit strategy uh, for those 529 plans if things change, and if they're fortunate enough, let me say they get scholarships or something like that, that they can move that money over into a Roth, and then they'll have a tax-free account for them later on when they retire.
0: Okay, very good. So, yeah, it's like it um, kind of sounds to me, Scott, like with all these different brackets that we're looking at, these different categories of Secure Act 2.0, it's like – for at least the user, okay, it's going to be really hard to remember all these dates, some of these nuances, the moving pieces. But if in general we can grasp that, hey, that 529 plan I have, I've got other options there. Like you would consider that a win if somebody walked away with that impression from the show today, right? Like, oh, yeah, that, what, what, what about this 4, 529? I, I heard something where we can do something else with this. <laughs> it
1: Absolutely. And and like the the, the folks that are still working, and are like, hey, we're – we're finally able to max out, you know, contributions to our company plan or 401k. But we're doing the numbers, and it's just just I don't know if it's going to be enough. Well, that additional contribution from 60 to 63, you know, that's going to be a nice boost, you know, for people. So again, this is about things that are most applicable to our audience, and this is why we're putting this out in print. Why we're linking articles. We'll probably keep talking about this. This is going to come up in our planning meetings with our clients. And so if you're a client of ours, we're not expecting you to decipher this. It's our job to sift through those over 90 provisions and find out which ones are applicable to your situation and which ones we can employ in order to enhance your situation your plan or your beneficiary's plan, whichever
0: is the most important. Perfect. All right. So that's the 529 plan changes. Another change that they were talking about in Secure Act 2.0 that's interesting to see past now, um, kind of stays in that world of employer-employee savings relationship, but it doesn't have to do with catch-up contributions. Can you talk a little bit about this automatic enrollment deal?
1: Yes. So this is going to apply to a 401k plans. And what they've done is expand automatic enrollment. So beginning in 2025, Once eligible to participate in a 401k and a 403b plan, so those two, uh, plan participants will be automatically enrolled in their company's plan. So you get a job, and let's say after 90 days you're eligible, 90 days you are enrolled, and the initial contribution default is set at 3% of your salary, with an increase of 1% each year until a 10% Per year deferral rate is achieved, and but there, you're not going to be able to do any more than than 15 percent overall of your of your income. So again, you're age 25, you start uh, a new job, and let's say you for this purposes that after 90 days you're eligible to participate in the 401k. When you get hired, you're going to automatically be enrolled in the 401k. And they're going to start immediately contributing or taking 3% per year, out, you know, and divide it over all your 26 paychecks. And they're going to start taking that money and put it into your 401k. And they're going to increase that by 1% every year until it hits 10%. Now, also, there, you can't opt out of it. And this is kind of like the, the idea, and this is going to seem like left field. But everybody, you know, on the back of your driver's license, it's are you an organ donor or not? Right. And when you look at certain states, what they've figured out is that if you're automatically opted in and you have to opt out, they have a lot more organ donors. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So it's just a phenomenon. If if you're automatically enrolled in something. Inertia takes over and most people don't opt out if there's a process you have to go through. They're applying the same technique here. They're saying, hey, hopefully we get these people started. We start putting money away and they forget about it and it grows and that money will be there for them later. Again, not saying good or bad. It's just reality of what, what they're rolling out. And again, they're trying to enhance retirement for a lot of people. And we all know that the vast majority of success for retirees comes from those automatic habits they started early in life putting small amounts of money away consistently is part of the magic and we've got clients that never made a tremendous salary but were diligent putting money away controlling their you know expenses and debt and that's why they have, you know, $1 million, two million, because million, they were diligent savers and they were exposed to investments and markets over time, not because they made a ton of money, not because they picked the
0: right stock, it's they had the good habits. And that's what this is trying to instill in people. Yeah, if we've got a retirement savings crisis in this country, then this seems like a great development to, uh, to include. So that's fantastic
1: definitely. And so you move on from that. This one is more student loan matching contributions. So you know, for employees that are paying towards student loan debt, uh, employers may make matching contributions to the employee's retirement plan account up to a certain percentage of the loan amount, you know, so that's a nice, that's another way to get money, you know, put aside for retirement years. Uh, This one, I really like. the next one emergency savings. And beginning in 2024, employers can contribute up to $2,500 into an emergency savings account for employees. Now, when you take money out, these distributions or withdrawals are going to be tax free. If specified conditions are met, much like a Roth account where you can take money out of a Roth and not pay penalties. um, If it's for specific reasons, like like, like
0: buying a home, isn't that one? Yeah. First time home buyer.
1: Yes. And so, I know a lot of people listening will may know it, may, may be shocked, but you know, vast majority of the population of the United States does not have a thousand dollars set aside in a savings account or emergency fund. And so I do applaud them for, letting the employer make a deposit as part of, a, of an employee's compensation uh, into account where now instead of, hey, you've always got to go to, at the bank and you always have to have you know, your $1,000, $2,000 set aside, the employer can do it. And now that employee knows, hey, there's, a, there's at least a $2,500 safety net in my, my pocket over here with my employer. And if I take it out for the right reasons, I don't have to pay any taxes on it. I think that's a great thing.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great thing, too. Um, I do wonder a little bit, though, however, like, does creating something like that then just end up kind of, you know, I, I wonder what the tracking has to be and the manpower involved in keeping up with all of those specific rules and regulations for those distributions and all that kind of stuff. Like, I always wonder about the back end side of things. Yeah, and I can tell you, it's, and I we've not gotten that far.
1: We haven't talked to our, our tax preparation team, which we'll talk about here in a few minutes. Uh, but it's more than likely it, there's going to be a form generated, you know, a distribution form generated with an IRS code. And then you're going to have to have backup proof of where that money went. You know, so if you had an emergency and it was, um, let's say healthcare reason, and that was, that's, that's qualifiable. Well, then it would be the check that was written or the credit card statement showing, Hey, we paid $2,000 to the emergency room. Right. We took $2,000 from this. So it's really matching up the IRS distribution form with the actual receipt is what you would need if you get audited would be my assumption.
0: Makes a lot of sense. All right. So lots of big changes in secure act 2.0, any miscellaneous things that you also wanted to, uh, to highlight.
1: Now, just one last one. And this is again, going back to 401k changes, um, three items here, uh, there's going to be a national lost and found database will be established to locate missing retirement plan funds, oh, That's uh, cool. which people would be surprised of how many times per year clients would call and go, Hey, you know what? I just found out I had X over here and I forgot about it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a positive, the lost and found, uh, they are going to be allowing annuities to be inserted in 401ks and invest, as investment options. And so that's always been, you know, 401k is kind of a Wall Street creation, and it's always been investment stocks, bonds. Uh, this is opening up the world of you know, those protected accounts, those accounts that either have a fixed interest rate or a way to grow with the market without any downside risk, or accounts that the longer you put money in, the longer you keep them, the bigger the pension payment that can come out of those. Uh, So I think for the right people um, having that piece of stability is going to be important. If they know if I put this much money in over time, I will be guaranteed X amount of income at 60, 65, 70, 75. It is almost like having the ability to fund a personal pension like previous generations had. So I I like that for the right demographic. And I think it's going to be a positive, a positive net positive for most people on that. And then the final one, uh, which I we've been banging the drum on this forever plan sponsors will be required to offer clear and concise information about their plan, their options for fund withdrawals, and they've got to write it in, And present it in readable, digestible language, Mm. not the normal legalese that a lot of these things are put out there. So again, a lot of great, great things in the the 2.0 Secure Act. Uh, Again, look for the printed version, the online version of this. And uh, we'll be talking about this when we get together this year for reviews and our client events. Uh, It's a big deal. And we want to maximize every one of them for our clients uh, to make sure that they're their retirement is predictable and sustainable as possible.
0: Well, there you go. Great breakdown. Scott, thank you for walking us through Secure Act 2.0 and some of the biggest things that jumped out in your mind. Again, there will be a recap sent via a newsletter. So if you're not subscribed uh, to Scott's newsletter, make sure you reach out and get on that list. Uh, you can also check out that link that's going to be in the description of today's show in the show notes area, where there's a recap of this uh, in an investors.com article. Uh, not quite as comprehensive as Scott has gone through here on the show, but we'll provide at least a couple of those high level hits again for you to talk about some of the highlights of this new law. If you've got questions for Scott and you want to specifically talk about your situation, don't ever hesitate to reach out by calling 913-393-4724. That's 913-393-4724. Or you can go online to listen to Scott.com and get in touch through the website as well. Scott, thank you so much. Great first episode to kick off the new year, and we'll look forward to another one with you soon. Sounds great. All right, very good. That's Scott Dugan. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll see you next time on your Retirement Elevated. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.